today we are starting this series, uh, Journeying with Jesus, and today we're talking about journeying with Jesus through the wilderness. Um, and so I want to talk with you today about, about baptism, or not about baptism, about temptation, uh, and, and what, that, what that means for us, and how we deal with temptation, how we walk through that process. Uh, there's an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along. Um, temptation is one of those kinds of things that we all deal with, right? You, you know, just, well, well, we'll get to that, but uh, <laughs> we're all there. I, I want to talk to you, start out talking to you about uh, the timing of temptation. I think it's an interesting thing when we think about uh, when we're tempted. Um, we find that temptation often comes uh, in those moments, uh, great moments, right after great moments in life. Uh, that was certainly the case here when we read the text with, uh, with Jesus here. Uh, Jesus has just been uh, baptized by John the Baptist. He just heard the voice from heaven that said, you know, he, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, I mean, it, it is one of those great moments. And then right after this great moment, he's out in the wilderness being tempted. And I, and I don't know about you, but I think about my own life. And, and that has been the, my case as well. It just seems like sometimes when we have some of our greatest spiritual moments, uh, greatest spiritual victories, right afterwards, there's this, oh, after that kind of thing. And, and somehow we're struggling and, and we're trying to somehow get through the, through the moment and we're wondering what's going on with life and it seems like God's so close and yet God's so far and, and we deal with that kind of stuff. And so... You know, I, I just I share that with you just to say, be conscious of those moments of of great great uh, success or great uh, victories in Christ. That there's things that come right after those. Oftentimes, that that just are we face temptation. Same kinds of things happen when we're going the other direction. Seems like sometimes when we're when we're tanking and we're we're ill or we're sick or stuff is going on, and boy, it just takes us even. Even the lower. Those are, those are uh, difficult times. I, I like what, uh, what it says in Luke, a you know, different story a little bit of the wilderness experience. Luke talks about this idea after it was all done and Jesus had, you know, kind of told the devil off and he'd gone out of his way. Uh, Matthew says that the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. Luke says in, in Luke chapter 4 verse 13, uh, Luke says that the devil left him until a more opportune time. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of the reality of how the, the timing of temptations is that, you know, you, you never get past it. It's, it's any time. Peter says, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, says that your enemy, the devil, wanders about like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he might devour. That that this idea of temptation is not kind of a one-and-done kind of thing, but, but it's something that we will face continually in our life journey. And those kinds of temptations, they change and they morph how and what tempts us as we go through life, uh, both uh, chronologically and spiritually. But the temptations will always be there. And the devil will just wait until an opportune time. That's okay, I can let that one go. I'll be back. <laughs> Unfortunately. And that's kind of the nature of this timing of stuff. But, but the nature of temptation that we need to understand 
is, is this is real clear, and, and I think most all you get this, but, but sometimes we get confused about this, is that temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Uh, we, we sometimes think, oh, I'm so tempted, I'm a horrible person. Well, no, you're not a horrible person, you're just a person. Uh, temptation is not sin. Temptation is an invitation to sin. Temptation is this idea to say, hey, I've got a good idea, how about this? And we have to make a choice. We make a choice about what we're going to do, but, but temptation is not sin. There are, as we see in this passage in Matthew, as, as we read about this uh, process of temptation, and I, I suppose if you read a uh, hundred different commentators on, on the temptations of the wilderness, that you would find a, a bunch of different ways that they organize those kinds of things. But, but I'm going to give you how I kind of organize these, because I, I think that in these three temptations that we see here in our text today, and that was, by the way, from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, if you're in your Bible or on your phone. Um, the, the three temptations, I think, I think summarize this idea of, of the, there are categories of sin that tend to, they just kind of fall into those kind of categories. And, and I think this first temptation, when he tells them to turn the stones into bread, is, is a characteristic of temptations that have to do with the temptations of the body. They have to do with, with things of, of very natural things like food. Uh, we're hungry, we, those kinds of things. It says after 40 days, Jesus was hungry. And, and I'm, like, I'm thinking, you know, after 40 hours, I'd be perishing. I don't know. But they have 40 days. Uh, he was finally hungry. And, and, and I don't know how all that works, but... But a very natural thing of the body gets turned into something else. And it's the same way with so much of what tempts us when we think about our body. We get tempted by sexuality. Nothing wrong with sexuality. There's, you know, God made us that way. He created us that way. And yet we get tempted into weird places with it. Because it takes something very natural and turns it into something not so. Our sensations, our tastes, what we eat, what we put in our bodies, what we like to do, all those kinds of things, all fall into that kind of category that we're tempted with those bodily sensations, whether it's food or sexuality or what we eat or drink or what we do. We like the sensation of, wow, I feel this way. Something happens. We are tempted frequently on those kinds of levels. If you read through scriptures, you'll find that over and over again, that much of what Paul wrote against uh, had to do with this kind of bodily temptations that we were faced with. And we look at Jesus here, the invitation to <coughs> turn the stones into bread, it was not particularly wrong with Jesus eating. You, you understand? I mean, he was 40 days without food, nothing wrong with eating. Uh, probably nothing wrong even with the idea of doing a miracle to turn the, the rocks into bread. I mean, you remember what he did. He fed 5,000, 4,000 with just loaves of bread. I mean, he could have done that. He did that for others. He turned the water into wine, or grape juice, uh, into wine. <clears throat> you know, he, he did those kinds of things. I mean, it wasn't like that was an impossibility or something out of the question. 
But his response reveals something here that really was the point. Say, but he gets down to the point to say, but what are your priorities? What are you really about? And Jesus said that the life and body is more than bread. Uh, we have this temptation to think that, that my, my sensation or my grat- or gratification of my bodily stuff is somehow what I'm about. And we can be tempted into those same kinds of things. But Jesus says, reminds us that there's just one priority, and it's, it's not my body. It's not my sensations. It's something more than that. It's something about being God's. And we journey with Jesus in that process. Jesus deals with other temptations, obviously, here. I think the second temptation for me falls into this idea of of temptations of acceptance. Temptations of acceptance. He gets really kind of the same introduction. Uh, He says, if you're really God, if you're really the Messiah, if you're really the guy, then prove it. The first one said, if you're really the guy then go ahead and just do a miracle. Just eat this stuff. Just you and me. Just eat this. And now the devil comes and he says, you know, if you're really the guy, why don't you just show everybody? So he takes it up to the highest top of the, uh, the temple and says, jump off. And, and, and the point of that was a scripture verse that, that he kind of misquoted, but, but it's referenced to that the angels would give protection over him. That everyone would see this amazing miracle. That everyone would acknowledge that you are who you say you are. That they would accept you for being this person. This Messiah that you say you are. And I think we fall into similar kinds of patterns when we try to find acceptance with others. We, we do the similar things. Uh, we, we ask uh, ourselves, you know, what, what, what have you done for acceptance? So what, what kinds of things have you done to fit in? And we look at our youth and we say, we say you know, hey, don't, don't follow the crowd. You know, don't, don't worry about the peer pressure of those kinds of things. But I've got to tell you, uh, this issue of acceptance is not something that just happens when you're, you know, a 12 and 18 year old, whatever. I mean, it, it's just... It, it is life that we are continually trying to be accepted and approved by others around us. And so what have we done or what would we do in the name of acceptance? <laughs> and I don't know how that fits, but have you ever done, I mean, I may have been just being crazy here, but have you ever done something that you just said, why in the world did I do that? And you get back and say, well, it's just because my friends were doing it. I mean, honestly, I mean, as an adult, that's why I don't drink coffee. I firmly say, I'm not going to do what everybody else does. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to get my caffeine from Coke. So. Coca-Cola. <laughs> You know, but well, we do that. I mean, we, we seriously, I mean, it, it's kind of subtle because 
it's how we look and how where we eat and what we do and why do we do that and 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 we and the message that we hear back and forth that we I hope you hear the bigger message is the message to say that that you are not accepted be you don't need to be accepted by other people it's, that's not the point the point is that that God has called you his child that God has named you as his and that above all else is what holds you. And Jesus' response back to the devil says, I trust in who I am. And I will not put that knowledge to the test with God. I don't need to test God on that. His answer was, he says, you shall not put the God, Lord your God to the test. And Jesus is saying, I know who I am. I know who God is. I know what I'm about. I don't have to do those things. I don't have to see. See, because what happens is you, you say, well, if I just do this, then, then everybody will love me. And everybody will think I'm great. And everybody will know that I'm really God. And I'm really the Messiah. Well, no. You are that already. Jesus didn't have to do that. Finally, it says that the devil takes Jesus to <coughs> high mountain, some place where he could see all the kingdoms of the world. I don't know where that would be, because in a round world that would be hard to see. And and he says to them, if you'll just, uh, and this is the temptation of success, folks. This is the temptation of success. He said, if you'll just, <laughs> if you'll just make a little compromise, I'll give you everything you'd ever wanted or what I think you want. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to do all this stuff. There's another way. There's another way to the success that you're dreaming of and having all the people recognize that you are the that you are the one. They'll all bow down to you. If you'll just bow down to me, the devil says. And we face that in life so often when when we are invited to some great success. And we think, I, I have these goals and I have these things that I'd like to accomplish and I have this person I'd like to be. And, and we think, okay, I, that's just what I want to get there. And then we think, you know, there's a little faster way to get there. Just a little compromise here. A little compromise there. And I think Jesus would remind us that our goal in life is not success. <laughs> it's our character. And the end does not justify the means. And, and, and we fall into those kinds of things and, and Jesus stands and gives us great wisdom and counsel when He says, but I will worship the Lord my God and serve Him only. 
Everything else falls behind that. My success or lack of that success, it all falls behind that. For I have but one goal, and that is to serve Him only and worship Him. You know, I'm not quite certain uh, this temptation business of Jesus. I, I probably need to have a long conversation with Sam about <laughs> why this. Why, why was Jesus tempted? I, he's our resident theologian here. Um, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I'm not certain why he was tempted, other than as a model to us. Um, uh, Luke, I think, or one of the other gospel writers, doesn't actually say that. This actually says this. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. I'm thinking, why in the world did you have to go to the wilderness to be tempted? It's everywhere. And one of the other gospel writers say that led by the Spirit, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and there he was tempted. That makes more sense to me. I'm not have a little theological issue with Jesus leading us or the Holy Spirit leading us into temptation, but have you been tempted? Silly question. I'm sorry. You know when preachers ask questions like that, they're just dead. <laughs> we we all face temptation, right? Yes? I mean I mean it's around us all the time. The, those choices of how I'm going to live my my bodily stuff, my you know my gratifying all of those sensual desires, all that kind of stuff. The the temptation of being accepted, of somehow being fitting in with everyone else and making it in life. The successes of life that we want to achieve, and the and the temptation to compromise who we are in our relationship with God. We face those things throughout. From, from the very beginning, from before you ever were in faith, <laughs> you were being tempted and you will be tempted up until the very end. Just what it is. We're tempted to doubt. We're tempted to question. We're tempted to Compromise. We're tempted to live on the simulation of who we are. But how do you go past that? I, I, I feel like I can't hardly talk about temptation without talking about how do you go beyond that. I'm going to give you some ideas. Actually, I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them. It's a short sermon. <laughs> it's what you get when you're sick all week and you're writing sermons while you're sick. You just <clears throat> you just get craziness. But this is it. I'm going to give you eight things to do in the midst of temptation. Do all of these. Do some of them. Do what works. I think the first one is just this. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Fill your mind with the Word of God. And then believe it. It's not enough to just know it, but you got to really believe it. 
That's what Jesus did. Every time Satan tempted him, what did he do? He, he spouted Scripture back to him. He, he just quoted Scripture. He was standing and believing on that. That's why this is real important. That's why we hold here at this church a very high view of Scripture. That, that we just don't believe it and read it like it's, like it's a nice, you know, nice moral guide for us. We really believe this stuff. We believe it's truth and it's wisdom and it's help and salvation for us. It's knowledge and direction. You've got to fill your mind with it so that it's, it's there in those moments. I think the second thing you need to do is just know the pattern of temptations in general. Know those three big categories of temptation and then your particular area of temptation at this particular stage of your life. Because it's going to change. Does that make sense? It's going to change as you go through life. That particular area that really hits you hard is going to change. What tempted you when you were a brand new Christian and you were, you know, 22 years old is probably not the same temptation that you have today when you've been a Christian for 50 years and you're now 72 years old. You know, your temptation is going to be different. You, you, you kind of get that? It, it's going to change. So just have to be conscious of what it is that tends to be my, my point. <laughs> I, I'm going to go beyond the scripture here <coughs> of our passage directly. But I love Psalm, Psalm 1. one. Are you familiar with Psalm 1? It, it, it just says this. It, it talks about this idea of don't put yourself in the path of temptation unnecessarily. I, I, I've got to read Psalm 1 to you because this is just too good to not read. I, I love this because it talks about this idea of the progression of temptation and sin in our lives. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. And I just tell you that this is one of my favorite kinds of things because it's this idea to say, if you know something is a temptation to you, if you know that, that some habit is a temptation to you, then, then it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I often wonder why it is that people who struggle with alcoholism somehow still hang out in places where they serve alcohol. Does that make any sense to you? Or they hang out with people who drink. I don't get that. I mean, if you know that's a struggle, why go there? If you know that you have struggle with pornography, then why go to those places where you see it? Does that make sense? I mean, why, why get there? If you know you have problems with, you know, whatever it is that you have problems with, or you know you have problems with anger or, or with gossip or something like that, don't hang out with people who gossip. Does, does that make sense? I mean... Because what he's saying here, what the psalmist says to us, that it starts as a process. As you start walking in the council, I'm just walking along with it. I'm not into it. I'm just walking along with it. And then suddenly you're standing. You're standing in the presence of it. And before you know it, you've sat down in the middle of it. Does that, does that make sense? So, I, I, and so all that says to me, it says, if you have a knowledge of this is an area that's a struggle for you, well, 
don't unnecessarily place yourself in that environment. Do something different. Okay, that's enough. I'm going to preach in a minute. Fourth thing is this. Look for a way out. Look for a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look over there with me if you want to. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, says this. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not lead, let, you, let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, you also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Here's the deal. In the midst of every temptation, if this is true, and I believe this to be true, because I've already told you what I believe about Scripture. If this is true, and I believe it is, then in the midst of every temptation, there is a way out. There is a way out. But we have to look for it. If we just get in the middle and say, well, I guess here I am, so let's dive in. Well, no. You'll look for the way out. Just say it. Recognize it and say, whoa, wait a second, I need to find the way out. And God will put one there. And if there's not any other way out, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, tells you something more you can do. So he says, uh, God, be faithful. God will be faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But in everything, when you provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my friends, what's it say? Flee. <laughs> Flee. Flee from idolatry. He's saying, that, hey, if you can't do anything else, don't walk to the nearest exit. Run. Okay, I, I know this is kind of silly, but folks, <coughs> when it gets right down to it, just run. Just run. It doesn't matter. Go the other direction. Turn it off. Run away. Get up and go. Don't hang out. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Well, I'm not even going to go there, but 1 Timothy chapter 6, you can look it up later, 11 and 12. It, it basically is, it says the same thing. It says, flee, he's talking, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's saying, flee those youthful passions of your body, and instead pursue something better. Pursue righteousness and godliness and holiness and those kinds of things. So he's saying, He's saying, you know what, don't put yourself, I'm saying, don't put yourself in the situation. Look for a way out. If nothing else, run. And, and in short, just seek after better things. Stick your nose in God's Word. Hang out with godly people. Do godly kinds of things. Pursue the things that lead to righteousness. I wonder just a little bit if that's what Jesus was doing in the wilderness for 40 days. Pursuing the things of righteousness. And at the end of that, he was hungry. And there was Jesus, or there was Satan. Uh, the seventh thing. Draw near to God and his people. You know, I, I have this observation, and I will just say this, perhaps by personal experience, but I think uh, observation of others as well, that most of our issues of temptation happen when we're by ourselves. 
oftentimes where we get into the deepest mess is when we're by ourselves or we're not with godly people, at least. Let's say that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25 is a beautiful passage about drawing near to God and entering into the Holy of Holies. And we have this God who is not uh, unlike us, but who is able to sympathize with our temptations uh, because he himself was tempted in every way like as we are. And then the next little passage that he says there, he says, and therefore do not forsake the gathering together of one another. There's something about being together with godly people going in the same direction that we're going that helps us get beyond our temptations. And finally, and it's not in your outline, but I I had one more after I put my outline in. It's pray. Just simply pray. Luke chapter 2, verse 46 Excuse me, chapter 22, verse 46. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's talking to his disciples who are having a very difficult time staying awake. <laughs> and he says to them, Pray that you might not enter into temptation. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And this is how he's telling us to pray. This is the basic prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's why I have a little struggle with why the Holy Spirit would lead you to pray this prayer. But that's a whole other sermon or discussion. You see, uh, we are always going to be tempted. But in the midst of our temptations, there is hope. I'm so thankful that Jesus chose not to compromise. Didn't compromise for success. But he said, my path leads me to the cross. And this Lenten season, we're going to be celebrating communion every Sunday. And we're going to have different people doing that, leading us and directing us. And I hope that as we celebrate communion today that you will consider his great sacrifice for us. That he is on our side. That he didn't back away from the cross. He helps us in our temptation to not back away from the message of the cross.